Welcome to the Combat Morale Podcast with me, Dr. Tom Thorpe. I'm the editor, producer and host for the programme. The podcast explores why combatants in armed conflict flight and endure, and in some situations, other combatants desert, mutiny or refuse to fight. For more information, go to the website at combatmorale.com. This is episode 18, season 1, and today I speak to Dr. Emmanuel Seeker. He is an assistant professor at the Royal Military College of Canada, which is based in, in Kingston in Ontario. I spoke to Emmanuel about the motivation and morale of the Italian soldier during the Second World War. He spoke to me from Italy during lockdown. Hi, Emmanuel. Welcome to the Combat Morale podcast. Could you start by introducing yourself and how you became interested in the Italian soldier during the Second World War? Hello, Tom. Thank you very much. First of all, thank you very much for having me here. Uh, so my name is uh, Dr. Emanuele Sica. So I'm, um, I'm originally from uh, Italy, even though now I work actually in, in Canada. I'm an assistant professor uh, at the Royal Military College of Canada, so which is basically the, um, the military institution, the military academy in uh, who, which is forming uh, the um, Canadian cadets and uh, the Canadian officers. Uh, and uh, I'm working currently in the history department in Kingston, uh, Ontario. Um, my specialization actually is uh, the Second World War and especially um, Italy and France. Um, why actually um, doing the Italian? Well, because probably, I mean, the fact that I'm Italian probably has something to do with it. Um, so basically, you know, it has been part of my uh, also part of family history in many ways. You know, uh, some of my old folks actually fought in the First and the Second World War, um, you know, with the Italian army. Um, and uh, I did actually research on the Italian occupation of France in the Second World War, which is also where a not well-known uh, page of the Second World War. Most of the people know about the German occupation of France. I did the Italian one, uh, which mainly uh, you know, was the the, the the Italian troops were mainly deployed on on the Côte d'Azur and uh, in the Savoy region, so in the mountains of Pine area and in, in the Côte d'Azur. So um, I did research on that. I published a book with the University of Illinois Press um, on on that uh, topic. So basically, and, and as I said, you know, I uh, I enjoy researching about it, you know, uh, the Italian army because I think. Um, not only in English, but also in Italian, there are still some very obscure pages actually on the, on the Italian army and, and, and a lot of prejudice too, to be honest. So, um, and this is something that of course, um, you know, we will talk about and, 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 but some of the prejudices probably should be spelled at least nuance, right? I mean, um, some prejudice could have a kernel of truth. I mean, I'm not saying that, but we'll see that, you know, there is still nuance to be uh, to be made about the Italian army um, during the Second World War. So, before we get started, could you give us a broad overview of the Italian army uh, and its sort of basic size, what theatres it was uh, it was deployed in, and where exactly it fought? Okay, so the Italian army basically um, was um, the Italian army. I mean, in total, I would say the the number of soldiers who were um, enlisted. In the Second World War, I think we're talking about four and a half millions. Um, at the beginning of the war, there were 
uh, 1.8, I think, um, who were um, call to arms, basically, who were enlisted. Um, this is also very contagious, but, and then it, it, it went, I think, at the higher um, point, I think that was 9.3, there were 3.5 million soldiers actually fighting in the Italian army. That was probably in September, almost at September 943, so before uh, uh, the armistice with the Allied, and the Allied armistice. And then, of course, then the Italian army uh, completely um, disintegrated over, over the events. Um, this, is an, this is an army that was poorly mobilized. I mean, that was one of the problems, you know, of the, of, since the start of the war, um, we have to remember, first of all, we have to remember two things, is that uh, the war was not well prepared. Um, the Italian thought the German will go to war in 1942, um, except then they they began the war, you know, in the 1st of September 1939. This was in some way very surprising for the Italian. Uh, they didn't expect that. You know, this is why they went to this charade of non-belligerency, right? I mean, they did not actually join the war immediately in on the 1st of September 1939, but instead they joined only on the 10th of June 1940, uh, basically against France and against England. Um, the, the reason actually they were doing that is, uh, I guess, the, the reason they were doing that actually was because, of course, France was folding and, and Mussolini was very eager actually to get the spoils of war from uh, because he thought the war will be over uh, in a few weeks, right? I mean, the, 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 the English then and the German will probably find, uh, uh, you know, um, probably an entente. So, you know, and, and they will split the world between themselves and, and then the war basically will be over. So the Italians were very eager, for, especially for the French colonies, such as Tunisia, for instance, uh, and some of the other territories in France that were very eager because they thought, you know, these were uh, territories that belonged to, to Italy, like Corsica, for instance, or, or the Côte d'Azur. Uh, but the, the, the problem is that because they were following the German footsteps, and this is the main strategic issue for the Italian in the whole war, because there was always, you know, responding to German successes, especially at the beginning of the war, um, Mussolini became very brazen and, 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 and he ordered actually the Italian to be deployed in so many theaters, in fact, too many, uh, for the possibility of, of, of the Italian army and, and especially for, from in, industrial output. We have to, we have to um, think also that the Italian industrial output was one third of the German, one third, right? So uh, we're, we're talking here about an industry that was not on par uh, with the other great powers, uh, uh, you know, uh, industry. So, and, and it shows, I mean, this was a, a very, very, um, um, you know, a very, uh, a, a big issue, you know, throughout actually uh, the, the war. So basically when the Italian invaded in June 1940, they were not prepared. Uh, to the point that, you know, there was a mobilization and there was a demobilization after a few months because um, the regime thought the war is over or, and in some ways, you know, uh, many of the soldiers, we have to remember, were actually farmers. And therefore, you know, there was a harvest coming on. So the regime is saying, okay, for the summer, we're sending you back to uh, basically home. Um, but this also, the, 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 
I would say this, this, this kind of ambient flu in, in mobilizing actually the army is one of the big problem also, uh, which, which calls for the lack of esprit de corps, the, the lack actually of, 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 you know, of, of uh, unity within also uh, Italian units. And, 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 and this is a problem because people were sent back home that they were sent back to their uh, you know, division. And in some ways, you know, they can't relate to each other. And, and, and it, is, it is a big problem. I mean, you know, there have been uh, reports saying of commanders saying, you know, um, guys could not train with each other or can train only for a few months. And then they're sent basically to fight, for instance, in Greece. Um, to answer your question, so to go to the original question, Italian mobilized four and a half million during the whole war. They were mobilized in France, so in 1940. Then there was North Africa, of course, you know, that was from 1940 to uh, May 1943. So uh, the North African campaign, uh, which went well for, I would say, a few weeks uh, uh, and then petered out. Then, of course, you know, there was the Africa Corps coming in and then there was uh, some alternate, I would say, uh, success. But ultimately, you know, the first Italian army was captured in May 1943. Uh, then they went to Greece. Um, the Greek, actually, the Greek invasion, uh, which started in October 1940, was uh, a dismal uh, adventure uh, by uh, Mussolini. It was poorly prepared. Um, it was made on with made against a regime that was basically pro-fascist. I mean, Metaxas actually, the Greek dictator, was actually an ally to Mussolini. I mean, it was at least from an ideological point of view, it was allied with Mussolini because it was very, he had some, uh, the, the, the Greek regime had some fascist troops. Um, but basically Mussolini wanted here um, to assert his sovereignty over the Balkans. And that was another region that was uh, within the Italian sphere of influence, right? I mean, and, and what the Italian thought will be the new uh, Mediterranean order, right? And, and, and basically, he decided to invade, he gave the order to invade Greece in October 1940, thinking that the Greek will surrender instantly. In fact, you know, the Greek not only fought back against, against the Italian, but they also had a lot of casualties. The Italian, some Italian units fought well, right? As, as in many theaters of war, some Italian units fought very well, uh, especially if they were well equipped and, 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 and they had good officers. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, uh, the, the strategy was very poor. So uh, the Italian lost more than 100,000 soldiers, you know, on that, on that theater of war in, 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 um, in something like uh, 10 months. So it, it was an, an abysmal, actually, experience. Um, and that was the beginning of what Mussolini termed the parallel war, right? We're not doing the war with the German, we're going, uh, with, you know, we're going, we're doing the war uh, parallel to the German, meaning that, you know, we don't, we, we, we are not coordinating our effort. And this was the major, in my opinion, you know, from a strategic point of view, that was the major liability in, in the Axis war camp, right? I mean, in the Allied, you had some common strategy. I mean, there were, there were discussions, probably more than me, I mean, the English-American had their own discussion, right? The Russian too. Uh, but generally speaking, they would say that they, they agreed, they came to term, you know, and, and they, they found common ground, especially the English, the British, and, and the American. 
in the axis, it never happened. I mean, the, the, the German always considered the Italian their junior partner. Um, and you can see that also trickled down also at an operational and even at a tactical level. Um, so there was very resentment, you know, from the Italian point of view. The Italian wanted to do their own war, but didn't, didn't have the capacity actually to, to emulate the, 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 the German. They didn't have the industrial capacity. So, and, and, and then they, their, I would say their officer corps was lacking. I mean, there were some good officers. But there were not many of them as compared to the German ones or the or, or the British. So. And and this is a this is a controversial question and something which is really difficult to answer for four and a half million men. But how effectively do you think the Italian soldier fought um, in battle in terms of their morale, their will to fight, and was their will to fight hampered by their maybe their physical equipment, their 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 weapons, their tanks? Because certainly um, when I was growing up, when I was young, I mean, you've mentioned, mentioned the prejudice. Um, we certainly grew up with lots of jokes about the, the inability of the Italians to fight. And we found this hilarious age 12. And that's obviously deeply um, nationalistic and jingoistic. Um, but, you know, there might be a kernel of truth, but obviously there's a much more complex. The history is much more complex. Uh, and, you, and you put forward. I mean, it's just interesting to know, you know, that did, did the Italian fight? fight well or did they did they have not much did they sorry i start to think of it it's their sort of commitment to to fighting and, and their ability to sustain themselves in the field what was what would be your assessment of that well thank you very much for the question i mean it, it's actually yes yeah, as you say it's a very complex one especially for you know i mean i mean i mean of course when you're talking about an army of four and a half million a million soldiers you know like like for all the armies basically in the second world war uh you know it's always uh, um difficult to generalize but I mean, there, there's a few things that, that could be said about about uh, the topic. First of all, I remember when I went to uh, um, a, um, a conference that was a few years ago, and I met with uh, Brian Sullivan, which is another actually historian, uh, uh, American historian, one of the few one actually who was who, and one of the first one actually uh, who wrote about the Italian army. And 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 I remember that uh, when I explain and and we discuss about that, you know, and and, and I remember his remark, you know, to the wider public. You know, I was showing the picture, for instance, of of the Italian uh, uh, the Italian actually tank they, they were using, called nicknamed the sardine can, right? Because it was so thin that even actually machine gun actually fire could actually pierce it. So it was, and 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 you can see that you know, and it was a small one, right? I mean, a very small one, a dismal actually um, tank coming actually because of, of I mean, there, there was a lot of uh, problems in RD, in, in Italian interwar. I mean, we, I don't want to open this kind of war. So let's say there was a lot of corruption between actually uh, Italian industrialist group and the army. And, and basically what they produced was abysmal tanks uh, uh, that were given to uh, the Italian soldiers. But when I was talking about that, you know, Brent Sullivan said, look, you think about that, you have to have a lot of guts to be fighting actually with this kind of equipment. I mean, you have to give the Italian actually, I mean, the Italian was not, you know, uh, the, the, the coward run, you know, you, you couldn't be coward actually fighting with this kind of equipment because you knew, and the Italian knew that in many cases they were fighting with, uh, for instance, even anti-tank guns that could not pierce actually the British one or the Sherman. And, and, and they knew, you know, they had some difficulties in, in you know, in equipment. But nonetheless, in many, in many cases, they, they still fought, you know, even though it was like fighting basically with, with one arm in the back. I mean, because 
you are fighting, you know that you are fighting with equipment which is far less effective than the Allied one. And the Italians were knew that because, of course, you know, they capture some British tanks or, or, or you know, British equipment. I said, wow, uh, or American one, even even worse, right? And I said, well, this is this actually is uh, now I understand why, you know, they're um, beating us or, you know, I mean, they, they have. So in, in many ways, you know, I remember the, the word of Brasavan. I mean, I mean, these guys are not coward, right? I mean, I mean, in fact, maybe it's, it's, it's exactly the other way around. They're, they know they're fighting with, uh, um, with, 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 with poor equipment. So, you know, you have to have respect, I mean, at least, you know, uh, for them. Um, given, given, given this, I mean, it is true that if you look at military effectiveness during the Second World War, you know, from the Italian perspective, the, the result is not good, right? I mean, and nobody's denying that. I mean, the, 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 the poor results of the campaign, I mean, um, you know, generally speaking, I say from the street point of view, as I said, uh, uh, you know, our, our testament, I would say, of, of what went wrong in many ways. As you said, equipment was was uh, um, decidedly bad. I mean, except for a few a few actual exception. Um, logistics also were not on par with the war effort. Uh, industrial output was not good, so they were always dependent actually on German um, help, uh, you know, uh, for ammunition or even for for other. Um, stuff. So, um, as far as morale is concerned, um, here again, the point is very contentious uh, in, 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 in historiography, still very contentious. Was the Italian um, morale good? You know, uh, at the end, we know that it wasn't, right? But what about 1940? Because that's, that's, that's the thing. Um, here, of course, you know, the problem is that uh, it's not very easy to uncover, you know, the morale of an army, especially in a totalitarian regime, right? So um, you already have the censorship from the military, but you also have the censorship from the regime. And, and, and one of the things that we have to, to deal about, but this is here again, I'm opening another kind of worms and probably I don't want to do that because we'll be here until tomorrow morning, probably, is the relationship between the fascist regime and the monarchy, right? Because we have to see something very... Very different with the German, right? The German, they had their Führer. The Führer was a political and military leader. So everything trickled down from him. In Italy, you had a Duce, who was the political leader, but their king, who was the military leader. And the officer corps basically, um, you know, swore allegiance to the king, not to, 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 to the Duce. Then the Duce became, in many ways, you know, he became the war minister. Uh, he became the leader, actually, the fascist of the army in 1940. So in many ways, you know, he took over some prerogative from the king, right? But in theory, we have to remember that the Italian army, especially the most traditionalist part, especially the officer corps, you know, their allegiance was first and foremost to the king. And in fact, you know, you see that in September, in, in uh, July 1940, uh, three when uh, Mussolini was arrested, nobody in the army is moving actually to rally him at the beginning. Um, so it means that everyone is siding with with, with, with with the king. So as far as officer corps is concerned, you know the, the picture is is very murky. I don't want here to say that you know people were not fascist in the Italian army, right? There were some rather fascists even in the officer corps. Uh, people who agreed with the policy of the regime people who actually were, you can see their report, you know, uh, they were fascist, um, even beyond the words, actually, even beyond their words. 
Um, but it's, it's, it's very uh, contentious to say the Italian army was a fascist. It was certainly the strong arm of the fascist regime. Yes, we can agree with that, right? I mean, because nobody, after all, went against right the fascist regime um, decision to go to war. I mean, the, the, the Mussolini go to war. Nobody said, hey, no, we shouldn't go to war because... Uh, you know, this was probably, I mean, they were, they were really happy, let's put it this way. I mean, they, they were mildly happy, right, to do like that. So, and here I'm talking about the officer corps. As far as the soldier, here it's even more complicated because uh, the soldiers, some of them were, I mean, you know, there have been 20 years of fascist regime, right? So 20 years of indoctrination. Um, and these, of course, made in a row, especially those who were young, right? Those who were young were born in the fascist regime, or, you know, they mainly grew in fascist school. And of course, you know, schools also were fascistized, et cetera, et cetera. So they internalized probably some of the propaganda. I mean, not probably, actually, they, they probably internalized some of the propaganda. And you, you can see that, for instance, when they go to Russia, uh, many of them are rabid anti-communists. And, and, you know, and, and in fact, you know, many of them said, OK, we, we shouldn't be here in the first place because we're very far from home. I mean, this is the land of nowhere. Uh, and this is not, you know, there's no, um, let's say, a, a geopolitical aspiration for the Italian to be in Russia, except to combat communism. Com communist, anti-communist is kind of the message, the propaganda message that, that, more, that many people agreed with, even traditional Marxists, of course. And, and therefore, you know, this, this was a relied point uh, for, for, for everyone. Uh, this being said, I would say the problem of the Italian in the Second World War is that most of them, of course, fought, uh, you know, outside Italy. But I would agree that the Italian, and this is something that you find in many memoirs, the Italian um, had only a few leave during the war. I mean, it, because they were, as I said, they were poorly organized and they were in so many theaters of war that after a while they could naturally not, you know, relieve their units. And it means that from some of the soldiers, it means that they were out of, uh, home, even for two years or three years in a row. It means that, you know, from them, many of them, their biggest actually concern was coming back home. I mean, this is a very big concern. Italian are very, I would say, I mean, here I don't want to generalize, of course, but especially at that time, it, Italians are very uh, nostalgic about home, right? And I can, I can speak from experience. Uh, you know, they, they like being home, you know, they have, they like they like Italy. So, so in many ways, and some of them we have to remember were farmers, right? They never traveled and, and they were in very hostile environment, very far from home, uh, very sick, uh, homesick. And basically you can see that actually this played a huge role uh, in many of the letters. Um, and, 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 and especially when things start to go bad, of course, you know, they said, no, my only desire actually is to go home. Whether Itali Italy win or Italy lose, I don't care as long as I can go home because basically this is my most urge, urgent desire. Now, in the First World War, um, and we talked this before, we talked about this before we started recording. There was tremendous uh, number of executions and disciplinary measures taken by um, the Italian army during, you know, fossil fighting in the Dolomites and other places, and large numbers of, of men were executed. Did the, the Italian army in the Second World War use similar sort of levels of coercion? It's actually, I mean, I remember reading, I mean, and, and, and here is Giorgio Rochard, who was one of the main uh, 
military historian, uh, uh, you know, who, who, who dealt about it, about military justice. And, 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 and I know that there has not been a lot of awful books about military justice in the Second World War. In the First World War, yes. Um, the Second World War, not. The reason also is that because military justice in the Second World War, generally speaking, was very lenient. Um, much more than actually the First World War, which, which in some ways was surprising because it will be, you, you would say, well, it's a fascist regime, right? totalitarian, so the guys actually should be more uh, strict, right, or be more ruthless, like, uh, like the German, for instance, the German army. Um, in Italian, it was actually the other way around. Um, people have been discussed about that. Why, actually? It's, it's a good point. Some said that it's because the war effort was not going good from the beginning, and therefore, you know, they were kind of being lax with a little bit, some slack, giving some slack to the Italian soldiers, given the fact that, you know, they were far from home. Some of them, you know, have poor equipment or poor ration already. So for instance, one thing that I noticed when I um, examined the Italian occupation of France is because the Italian army is lacking food in many ways, you know, the local soldiers will go actually to steal, the local soldiers will go to steal to the local peasants. And you, you can see basically even from the archives, you know, from the military justice archive that Italian commanders are, are, are basically turning their head, you know, they're, they're turning their head to the other direction. I mean, they say, okay, as long as this doesn't become endemic or, but he becomes endemic. Um, and, and as long as he's not, you know, dying in, done in a brazen way, I mean, we understand, you know, this is, this is, you know, uh, the price we have to pay because basically our logistics are not functioning. So they're, they're very lenient on, 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 on that, uh, from that point of view. And, even even the um, you know the the the, the sentence were I have to say were very lenient. I mean, and I was a little bit surprised about that. So to answer your question, no, there was uh, the, the military justice in the Second World War was actually pretty much lenient, um, and this this could be also a problem. For instance, when we see military occupation also in the Balkans, right? I mean, and 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 it has been said over and over and over. You know that the Italian was more much more. You know, there was this one of the myth after the Second World War was that the Italian was a poor soldiers. However, he was a very generous one and therefore someone who was a, a good hearted soldiers. What the, 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 the myth of the good hearted Italian, uh, the, 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 the Italiani brava gente, what is called in, in, in Italian. Um, this, myth, this myth is also very contentious in the sense that, you know, if you see actually in the Balkans, you can see the Italian were not good fellows at all, actually. I mean, I mean, they, they were not as bad as the German, okay, I, I, I agree, but there were also some massacres, some uh, concentration camps, you know, for the locals, um, and, and, and the Italian, and even crimes, you know, against civilians were not dealt by, by military tribunals, so that there was this impunity that, that you can find also in, in, in German, of course, you know, in German units, uh, but which is also found in the Italian uh, in Italian Union. So military justice was, I would say, uh, very surprisingly lax in 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 the in Italian army. One thing I was wondering about, and you alluded to this um, earlier, was how did the nature of Italian society, in terms of cultural traditions or the Catholic Church, how did that shape the motivation of soldiers, either positively or negatively? Um, sort of, did regional traditions play a role in actually, you know? bringing people home or sustaining their will to fight uh, in various theatres. Another, another interesting point, uh, Tom, and a very, very, another very contentious one. Because, yeah, this is, this is one of the problems. One of the problems, I mean, 
YMX actually um, also uh, looking at the Italian army very, very interesting is that, of course, uh, you know, as I said, uh, there was the monarchy, of course, the fascist regime, right? I mean, but there was a third actually power hub in Italy at that time that was the Vatican. And the Vatican, of course, and the Catholic Church, uh, we have to remember for, for our generation, especially for, uh, for the younger generation, uh, especially born, you know, in, in, in uh, I would say, in the Western world, I mean, religion is a very private matter right nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. But at that time, it wasn't like this. I mean, Catholic religion was the main religion actually in, uh, in Italy. It was actually the state religion. And, and therefore, it was actually the fascist regime had made uh, an entente, a, a link with uh, the, um, the, the, the Catholic Church and the, basically, they had struck, you know, um, an entente in 1929 with, 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 with the Lateran Pact, right? So, in theory, you had in the Italian army also a military chaplain, right? I mean, the the even though the the, the pope was the pope were against the war, and and it was known that he wouldn't actually endorse war. Um, there was this thing about um, the, the the Catholic were were, were divided because. In one way, the Catholic Church was uh, uh, not condoning the war at all, um, even though some parts of the Catholic Church were in favor because they said the war, especially when they were to the Eastern Front, uh, the war is against the 80s, the communists, right? And, and they, they could say the same in the Balkans because they were fighting actually against communist partisans. So in some ways, that could be a message that could be relayed. On the other hand, of course, you know, um, Catholic religion is about those should not kill. And, and, and of course, this is a message that doesn't go well, you know, when you're at war. And, and uh, this was this sense that the Italian was imbued with Catholic faith and therefore it was not capable actually of, 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 of ruthless violence. And, and, and I wouldn't say this is, there is a kernel of truth in there, of course, right? I mean, I wouldn't say that it's, it's, um, uh, there is there is uh, there there is some truth in there in the sense that you can see in some of the memoirs of of the veterans you know people who are fighting and they say you know well this is not really you know the teaching of Jesus I mean I mean or you know these uh, we're fighting especially against civilians this goes against you know uh, what we, the, 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 the the tradition we have been brought by right I mean so the, the values who have been uh, which is a value of piety, uh, values, you know, of, of humanitas, uh, of humanity and stuff like that. Uh, on the other hand, we should not make too much about it in the sense that, um, you know, some people said after the war, but in kind of as, as an apologetic tone that the Italians were incapable of doing uh, massacres because they were, they were Catholic. Uh, as I said, it wasn't true because it, they did that actually in, in the Balkans and in also a little bit in Russia, but especially in the Balkans. So, um, you know, this, this, this actually, uh, I would say the Catholic Church played a role, yes, uh, but perhaps less than the people, the Catholic tradition, but perhaps less than people would, would, would think in, in a very Catholic, um, in a very Catholic country. And how effective was the Italian state and military in sort of sustaining uh, com combat motivation amongst its troops? I'm thinking in terms of propaganda or leave policy. And I think you've touched on this uh, to a degree already with the issues around logistics. But were there any other points that are sort of worth worth making? 
Of course, you know, the Italian, I would say the Italian uh, army was motivated. Uh, I mean, there, there was two, two kinds of propaganda you could do, right, in the Italian army. The first was a purely military one. Right, the traditional military one. So the one when you insist actually on, I don't know, the tradition, for instance, of a military regiment, right? I mean, and they did that, you know, this is a military regiment who fought, for instance, in the First World War, and, you know, who was, who had a long tradition, for instance, the Alpine, the Alpine uh, Corps, right? They insisted on that, right? In the First World War, our forefathers actually defended the borders of Italy against the Austrian, and therefore, you know, we had this tradition actually of enduring, right? And, 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 and we shouldn't actually, and, and, and we should be the one actually who, who are in the footsteps of our forefathers. And, and therefore, you know, we have some strong um, responsibility, right, of, 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 of getting, of, of, of being also very, uh, very good. And, you know, of, of having the courage and faith, actually, of our, for, and not questioning orders, right? So uh, in many, so in some ways, this was a purely military traditional one. And, and I'm pretty sure that in all the armies, you know, in the Second World War, there was this kind of, you know, of propaganda, of course, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, propaganda about, uh, you know, the military tradition. On the other hand, of course, there was the fascist propaganda that was different, right? I mean, the fascist propaganda insisted on basically it was twofold propaganda. The first one was a propaganda that, you know, Italy didn't get, you know, because of the First World War, you know, there was this. Um, mutilated victory myth, right, of the First World War. Probably, you know, you know, Italy had participated, but then he did, Italy did not get the share, the, the spoils of war, right? Not fully, at least, right? I mean, and, and, and it was this myth that was fueled by the, by, of course, by the Italian, by the fascist regime saying, you know, not what we're doing is that we're taking basically the territories that were not given to us in the First World War. Uh, you know, for instance, in the Balkans, right? I mean, I mean, in Istria, Dalmatia, all these these territories, right? I mean, they were promised to us, uh, you know, uh, by uh, the you know by the by the English and the French in 1915, basically, but we the Pact of London. Now we want them back. So there was this propaganda also, and here again is is like the message, the German message of the Lebensraum, right? I mean, the Italian have the same concept, which is a spazio vitale, the vital space, meaning the Italian has a superior race. They deserve to have basically, you know, the control of, of the inferior races and in many, in many ways of the other countries. So there is a very racist, of course, you know, discourse here, very expansionist discourse, um, you know, that links to the ancient Rome, of course, that links, that makes you know, that, that the Italian understand because of ancient Rome. So it harks back, you know, to ancient Rome. Uh, uh, but of course, it, it's much more um, virulent now and much more expansionist. And, and the, 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 more, the fascist propaganda is, is actually uh, trying to make inroads with that. Um, the, the, the contentious point here, as always, is how much propaganda was internalized by the common soldiers. And this is, this is a very, very, of course, contentious point, because as I said, they were not doing exactly surveys of, if, if you liked uh, the Duce, you know, especially during the Second World War. Um, and therefore it is hard, right, to tell if soldiers actually 
did buy this propaganda. Uh, letters actually from the censorship. I mean, I mean, you know, the letters, you know, you know, the, the, the censorship services, right? I mean, the letters that you and that that were censored, you know, are maybe the best way to get and and the memoirs too, right? But the memoirs, of course, you know, sometimes the memoirs, uh, you have people trying to redeem their name, so you you have to take the memoirs always with a grain of salt, right? Because memoirs could be very very tricky. Uh, you know, when you, when you have soldiers who are trying to uh, downplay their involvement with the regime, you know, many ways, because it's after all, you know, it's, it's after the war. So the wars are very tricky. Um, letters, actually, that the soldiers wrote, you know, to their families could, could give you some hints. And from the letters, you, you have a sense that the people did buy a little bit about, it, especially in 1940, right? But, especially, but as time went by, and especially when you know the reality of the war started to to hit them and and the defeat also um and the the, the people are getting more skeptic right for obvious reasons they said you know the duce promised us you know to have a new glory you no know, glory stuff like that you know new territories but then now we're we're being hit in our faces actually and and we're suffering defeats uh, humiliation you know prisoners of war people get killed and, and later on also um, bombing attacks on Italy. And, and that was, you know, also a big, a big uh, stain on, on, the, on the regime propaganda. Uh, so it's, 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 um, it's, it's, it's always difficult to say how much of the Italian army was fascist, right? I mean, both in the officer corps and in uh, the Italian soldiers, uh, in, the, in the Italian rank and file. What I would say is, however, as I said, when in July 1943, when Mussolini was arrested, you do not get any reaction, you know, in the Italian army at all. I mean, the Italian army, you know, mostly will side actually with the king. I mean, I mean, and, and therefore here you, you can see that, well, you know, the inroads, uh, political inroads, you know, the, the regime were making was mainly a, 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 a inroad of a facade, right? I mean, an inroad that was basically, um, I would say, um, like a, a varnish or, you know, the, the thing that you, 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 that, that you put on your nail, right? Varnish? No, how do you call it? Varnish, right? A varnish that, that gets etched basically by, by, you know, by the defeats. And basically, the, it was added by the reality of war. So I would say that, you know, if, if we examine the, the, the Wehrmacht, right, we can, we can say that, you know, that was a Nazi army, right? I mean, he had the, the, the Nazi propaganda was imbued, you know, as, as Omar Bartov actually said, you know, there was a lot of ideology in, in, in the Nazi, in the, in the Wehrmacht, not only in the Waffen-SS, in the Italian army, I would contend the point is more moot. I mean, of course, there were fascist soldiers. Of course, there were fascist officers. And, and I know a few of, of a few fascist generals. Uh, but of course, you know, in many ways, were they doing that because it was the best way for them to be promoted? Probably also, right? I mean, you want that, of course, to glorify uh, the Duce because it's the it's safest way for you to get up in the rank of the, of the army. I mean, and it, it worked for, for a few of them. Um, so I would contend, you know, there was also a lot of, you know, um, uh, lip service, uh, you know, in there. Uh, so it, it's, as I said, it's very, 
very difficult to say, right? It's, it, it's, it's very good. That doesn't, I, I mean, and with this, just to conclude this point, I don't want here to minimize the respons responsibility of the Italian soldiers and of the Italian high-ranking uh, officers. I mean, I mean the, their responsibility was huge in, in the war because they abetted actually the choices of Mussolini and, and no one actually protested against that. So that, that has to be said. This being said, you know, I don't believe there were a fascist army in the sense that we will say that the Wehrmacht was a, a, a Nazi. I mean, I think that's, that's a really interesting point. I mean, one point you raised um, before we started recording and that I didn't know that there were some uh, Italian units that served the Germans post-1943 when Italy, essentially Italy fell out of the war. What motivated those individuals to fight for the Germans, you know, once, once uh, Italy essentially had ceased to be in as part of the axis? It's, uh, it is again, you know, thank you very much for, for the question. It's again, you know, a very interesting one. And, and this is an aspect that has, as I, as I told you before, I was mentioning before, is a little bit um, um, forgotten, I would say, in, in, in English speaking literature uh, or non-Italian, I, I could say. And because, I mean, in many ways, of course, the English uh, literature has focused on, on the Italian campaign, has uh, the campaign between the Axis forces, so mainly the German, uh, against uh, the Allied, so I uh, think the Allied force. And of course, you know, I don't want to minimize that, you know, I mean, I just went recently to Monte Cassino, and, 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 and you know, the war cemeteries there attest that this was, you know, a very, very strong effort by the Allies, you know, and, and, a, and an effort that, that was made at a huge sacrifice, you know, by Allied soldiers. So, and, and, and this has to be said, right, because it, it is humbling experience when you go to see the war cemeteries the Allied war cemeteries throughout uh, uh, Italy, and it's testimony actually of, of the dogness of of the of the Allied soldiers. Uh, however, what happened also when the Allied, the two Allied camps were uh, fighting, we have to, to to bear in mind that first of all there was the Italian population in there, so the Italian population was still in there, and and so there were millions of civilians so that were uh, uh, basically um, they were caught into the crossfire between the two the two parties and in sometimes you know with with deadly consequences of course um and then there was the italian uh the italian the, the two italian political entities after the 8th of september 1943 so after the italy basically switching side and joining uh, the allied as a as a co-belligerent on one hand you had the monarchy that now is siding basically with the allied right i mean uh, the, more, the, the, the king at first in the southern part of Italy, and the king, of course, want to restore a, a dignity, basically, to the Italian army. The problem is that the Italian army disintegrated uh, on the 8th of September 1943. For a lot of reasons, I don't have time to mention them, but it was a botched effort, you know, by the Italian uh, high-ranking officers, even by the king and Badoglio, General Badoglio, uh, was the leader of the Italian army at that time. Uh, that when the armistice was signed and was basically um, publicized, you know, by by a, a radio wave, basically most of the commanders, especially those who were outside Italy, were not did not know anything about it, and and and, and therefore they ended. Uh, we have to to remember that more than six hundred thousand Italian ended actually as prisoners of war in German camps. Uh, it's it's a huge number. And many of them were, were actually captured outside Italy, such as such as in France or in Greece. 
Um, so in one, in one case, you had the Italian who, who the Italian regime. On the other hand, in the northern part of, 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 of Italy, you had still a rump regime was the, the Italian fascist, uh, the Italian, the Repubblica Social Italiana, which is the Italian Social Republic, which was a rump regime that was propped up by the German uh, and they propped up actually Mussolini, a much more weakened Mussolini, Mussolini who is now mainly is a puppet of, of, of the German regime, um, of, the German, of the German regime. And you also have Italian paramilitary groups and an Italian army that basically is based in the northern part of Italy. And this Italian army will fight uh, against the Allies with the Germans. And I know it's confusing because you have Italians fighting with the Allies and the Italians fighting with the Axe. And sometimes they fight against each other too. So, and, and it is very confusing. It, it's, it, it is basically a civil war. And, and, and it's a civil war, even from a military point of view. What makes these people actually fight with uh, the, the German, uh, you know, uh, at the 11th hour? Um, it's, it's a good point. Um, and because on the 8th of September, basically, you have many, many, every Italian soldier is confronted with a dilemma on the 8th of September, 1940. So either you follow the king, okay, you follow the king and you're bound by the oath to, to the king. And therefore, because the king has decided that we're switching camp, you know, we switch side, we are actually switching sides. And we're fighting with the Allies, right? And and some of the most traditional, especially in the Navy, they will actually go with that choice. And some will pay the price too, because they will be, for instance, um, killed by the Germans, right? Because they they refuse actually to side uh, with uh, the uh, the Axis, so they will be ex instantly executed. Especially in Greece, there have been you know many years in Cephalonia, for instance, where Italian were executed without uh, you know without um, basically any, any, any trial, uh, without trial actually by the German. Uh, on the other hand, you had people who said, well, you know, we fought for three years with the German. Uh, I don't want to, to, to switch sides, you know, because maybe, you know, either because um, um, I consider myself a fascist, therefore, you know, I consider that the German is my comrade in arms, or because I consider that the German is my, is my comrade in arms for three years. And therefore, you know, I don't want to become a schizophrenic. And now all of a sudden have to fight him and, you know, against uh, the, you know, the British. And the British has, has been always depicted as the perfidious Albion, right? I mean, this is the, the word actually that the Italian propaganda always use against La Perfida Albione, right? About against the, the, the English. And now, you know, you have soldiers who have said, hey, look, I mean, you have, you know, have inundated our heads, you know, with, with the propaganda anti British propaganda, and now we're fighting for them, you know, all of a sudden, and, 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 you, and you don't explain why, right? And, and, and you have people who are siding with the fascists, who will be siding with the German even after, after that. Of course, you know, some of the people will do that because they, they were fascists, first and foremost, right? They were ideological motivated, and, 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 and of course, but not all of them, not all the people who sided with the, with the, the fascists at that time, or the German, were ideological motivated. I think it will be too simplistic to say that. Uh, some did actually because their families were in northern part of Italy and they want to be reunited with their family. And the easiest ticket actually to go back home in, in September 1943, when especially when you are in a prison in a German prisoners of war camp, is actually to uh, enlist in uh, in uh, in a German unit 
or in a German a paramilitary group, right? Uh, this being said, these paramilitary groups, some of them like uh, Libertad Nere, uh, were the worst actually perpetrators of atrocities of Italian massacres, civilian massacres in, in, in Italy. And, and, and some of them were, were absolutely, uh, you know, were, were ignominious and, 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 and you know, uh, were helping even the German commit, you know, uh, civilian actually massacres uh, in Tuscany, you know, in the northern part of Italy, and, and some of them were, were, were absolutely, you know, uh, individual were, uh, could say, cr criminals, being downright criminals. So we also have to take that in mind. So it's very complex also story, and this is a, this is a very other complex story, which made it very interesting for us historian. And of course, you know, I wouldn't say that, but of course, for the people at that time, it it was it was really Italy was the time for the Italian was really on earth. And it was really, really uh, a very, very, I mean, you were treating on, 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 on a minefield, you know, basically at that time. And my final question is, where can people find out more about your work? Well, first of all, they uh, can read my book. As I said, you know, I have uh, I've written a book on the Italian occupation of France uh, called Mussolini's Army on the French Riviera. Uh, the still which is uh, which was published in 2016 now uh, by the University of Illinois Press um, and uh, it has been translated also in Italian has been published in Italian a few years later uh, Rodrigo Editore so if people you know they read Italian they could actually uh, go also for the Italian version um, otherwise you know um, pay me a beer attract to the conference that's that's another actually uh, uh, way to to do it I'm, I'm joking i don't want to uh, <laughs> say here but even though as you can see i'm very chatty and i like to talk about the, <laughs> the italian army uh, so and not only also about italian football by the way so um but um, the other way f uh, will be i would say well, I will, I'm writing a book, you know, I will, I'll be, I've been doing other researches here and there. I mean, I'm, I'm written, you know, another collection of essays. Uh, you can find probably my name, you know, in some of the I said are going, um, you know, will be published. Some of them will be published. In fact, you know, I, I, I write the, the good or the bad thing for me is that I write in three languages. So you, 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 you can find sometimes I write only in French, sometimes in English, sometimes in Italian. Uh, which is nice, but it makes a lot of confusion also in my head, I can tell you. Um, and uh, it makes sometimes I wrote about things that are complementary, but there are different languages. So you, it's not very easy to follow my, my academic forays, my research forays, I would say. Um, but, uh, I, but I will be writing also, I mean, I will be writing on the entire army and expect to find some uh, good essays or, or articles um, and possibly some books also, you know, on, on, the, on the Italian um, army next, you know, in the next uh, few years. Manuel, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Tom. I mean, it was a very lovely conversation.